Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode of the podcast, we're uh, we're kind of busted our brains. As you see, over the past few weeks, we've got a couple of new codexes. Uh, well, we got one new codex and two new battle tomes. They have different words for different game systems. They're the same kind of rulebook thing, though. Really. There's some I mean, minor differences, but they're basically the same. I would argue yes, but some people get real sticky with the terminology. However, GW essentially put out uh, some new rulebooks for their war games. And the newest one for 40k, which was Orcs, which I dove into. And then they put out two for uh, third edition of Age of Sigmar uh, for Oruk War Clans and uh, Stormcast Eternals. Which I have been delving into as well. Yeah, and uh, John and I both kind of had a, a communal realization that as we both went through our separate books, we kind of got to a point where we went, what? Uh, as these books are way more in-depth than some of the others have been in the past. And uh, especially in 40k, there's kind of a long pattern of that to look back on in the new edition and uh, figured it might be something worth talking about because these books seem to be getting to be more complicated at an exponential rate. Yeah, and like we'll talk about the differences because I think there's one clear distinct difference between AOS and 40k. We'll get into it later mm-hmm. on the complexity of these books. But yeah, it, it seems to be a continuing problem uh, in some ways and a benefit in others. So... We'll talk about it. Um, I've been playing the game since, I don't know, 6th edition 40k, back before there was an Age of Sigmar. I've been doing war games for like 10 years. I've worked on multiple like game systems for like LARP. I've done a lot of like tabletop RPG game stuff. I've written stuff for homebrew, stuff like that. So I know a decent amount about rules and Joe can attest that he does too. Right, Joe? Yeah, I mean... I will say I am the less crunchy of the two of us. I'm more flavor than crunch, but I was also on the LARP design team uh, that John was on. I mean, we made rules for games that hosted 100 people at a time. (laughs) I'd say average, probably like 85. I think our biggest was 106 people on site. Um, Uh, Yeah, I think so. So I am not new to the idea of uh, rules and there's always something to be said about complexity versus usability. And I think it's just an interesting conversation to have, especially in the war game space where you have a vast range of player types who want very different things from their books, I suspect. Um, yeah. And you, we have different almost clicks of player types as well. Yeah, the, it does get a little... uh. How would I put it? Tribalistic? I wouldn't go quite as far to call them tribes, but I will say that there's a air of... How to... It's weird. It's a hard thing to explain. That's probably going to be a whole episode of its own, is talking about the differences in community uh, between like competitive players in 40k and casual players in 40k, and you know, reverse that for Age of Sigmar, and then also how those two communities themselves are kind of different and produces different types of conversations about the different games, despite the fact that the games are very, very, very similar. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree, Joe? Yeah, I think despite the similarities, you're going to have some pivotal but small differences, and uh, those small differences can kind of grate on some people. But if we, maybe we could break them down and kind of at least walk it out for people. So if you're someone who wants complexity, we could explain exactly how you get it and why. Um, and if you're someone who maybe turns away from complexity, maybe we could help you with that. At least that's the hope. But first, hobby time and games played. (laughs) 
All right, John. Hobby. Uh, what have Hobby. you been up to? Well, I haven't painted a miniature in weeks. Ah, but yes. That's because I've been busy. Uh, I have done hobby things, though. I have been buying stuff to make my space more organized, which I think is just as important as actually doing the thing. I would argue yes. I've been researching the things that I'm going to do, the future purpose, uh, purchases I'm going to make to make hobbying less lab- laborious to start and more easy. Um, I've taken a lot of uh, inspiration from different like YouTubers out there, like Miniac and like Ninjon and a couple of other folks, even Vince from uh, Warhammer Weekly, of like getting an idea for like what makes me want to paint more. Mm-hmm. And, like, building my space around that so that when I, you know, walk into my office, I can look and go, hey, uh, that that makes me want to, you know, paint. Like, I've been putting art up on a corkboard near my paint desk. So, when I walk into the room, I don't just, like, walk to the computer and then load up, like, Destiny 2 and play video games. I, like... <laughs> yeah. I will look at the art and go, man, I kind of want to paint. And I'll look over at my desk and I'll see that my stuff's organized. I'm like, man, I want to paint. And the only thing stopping me right now is that I go. I then look at the rest of the room and go, oh, man, I need to unpack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel that. I feel that. But anything to keep the motivation sort of stoked, I think, is worth its weight in gold when it comes to hobby progress. Yeah. Um, and for games played, for similar reasons, also haven't been playing the game. But I've been making plans to play the game. I want to try to do some Crusade stuff uh, for 40K. And I'm also just... I'm. I'm I'm really all about these cruel boys, like these new cruel boys, big stuff. Like I know for listeners of the podcast, I've been listening for a few months. I was all about the Stormcast. I'm going to keep the Stormcast. I'm going to paint them. I'm going to play them. But uh, I think that they're going to be like my little house army I have for when people want to play the game or try the game. I just come over and play like the Stormcast book. And we'll be, we'll talk about that later in the episode too, uh, where, where I think the Stormcast sit in complexity. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, I, I'm gonna think I'm gonna work on Cruel Boys as like my AOS three faction uh, with Skaven. Like my Skaven are pretty much done for now until they get a new book and new stuff. But I think I'm gonna work on Cruel Boys, the little bastard orcs. Big fan. Yeah, uh, they are a very deliciously flavorful army, uh, and they're also complex enough that I'm not surprised that they kind of grabbed you. And they're just bastards. They're just yeah, like little bastards. I do have this like predisposition to go, oh, yes, the bastards. Ah, uh, love the bastards. <laughs> God, like uh, I was listening to uh, Dominion. It's the launch book that came out with third edition, like the, the audio novel. It's a pretty and, good uh, book. God, I hate those. I hate these orcs. They're so mean. <laughs> they are. They're absolutely irredeemable. And the I, I must kill all of them. Uh, but I'm not surprised that you listened to that and went, oh, God, they're so awful. Give me a hundred of them. Like, <laughs> God, you're, you're so, so shitty. Can I have like 30 of you? <laughs> I'm going to be sitting there with like my little lamp and my little paintbrush and my paint and my like edge highlighting the robes and going oh yes who's a little bastard you are you little shit ass <laughs> put it down god you're so mean go out there and murder people set them down pick up the next one yeah um i'm not surprised that they grabbed you but hey at least you're uh you're almost time to hobby because uh john i need hobby reinforcements i have a. Uh... I've been hobbying my tail end off. Haven't played games because much like John, I, you know, as we have talked about for the past few weeks, I'm sure y'all are sick of hearing of it. We just moved into our first houses and, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of real life stuff that needs to happen. (laughs) And also there's a whole bunch of fun hobby painting stuff that needs to happen. So I'm trying to do a whole lot of both at once. And um, it's going surprisingly well. Uh, I've been during the week, I've been trying to paint about two hours a night. Uh, because that's about all I can do. Because, you know, you just got other stuff you have to make happen. You got to clean. You got to make dinner after work. And, you know, take care of the yard. Unpack. You know, everything else that has to go on. But I find I can get about two hours a night in. Uh, most nights of the week. Um, and then on the weekends, I've been pulling about four hours a day, give or take. Just because my schedule's more open. I don't have like an eight hour, eight and a half hour work day to deal with. Um, so I'm hammering out progress on these orcs john 
Absolutely flying through them. Big boy, big orcs. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I really don't like painting in a batch of twenty though. That's that hasn't changed. Um, uh, it's okay. You'll get used to it eventually. I don't know, man. I think ten's the sweet spot. Ten is the sweet spot. Like I'll go to I'm tr- like for people out there who maybe haven't listened to the previous episodes. I'm trying to paint up a crusade force to play a crusade game with some buds. Uh, except obviously my orcs just came out like a week or week and a half ago. So I was like two months behind the painting tape, uh, the painting race. So I am like trying to make up ground aggressively. And that means I have like 20 boys at the start of the campaign that I need. So I'm just going to paint all 20 of these beast snagger boys at once. Cause it just makes sense. Uh, but I'll go to do like a layer, like, um, I was painting, let's say, like the hides and cloaks on their back. I'll get through about 10 of them and go, ah, that was satisfying. That was just the right amount of how much of that color I wanted to paint. Boy, it sure is nice to move on to the next cut. Damn it, there's another 10. (laughs) And then you have to just grab the start of the other squad and keep on moving. Um, Whereas if I was doing it in batches of 10, I think it would be much more satisfying. But in this case... Uh, efficiency tops satisfaction because I'm on a time crunch. Um, well, once the time crunch is over, you can probably go back to doing 10 man blocks of painting at a time and then like break that up with maybe some heroes or special units or like uh, vehicles in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know that this is going to be the hardest part. Like, I'm not a person who likes to paint big hordes. Uh, so I knew that painting the boys was going to be the worst part for me. Uh, so I just wanted to front load it, you know, when the motivation was the highest and, uh, I had the most oomph, uh, just do it first, get the suck out of the way and then move on to all the fun stuff that I'm super, super excited for. And if I'm being honest, even the boys have been fun to paint cause they're very flavorful models. Uh, it's like horizon zero dawn meets 40 K orcs. And I big fan, big, big fan. Um, and after I get through these 20 boys, I've got six squig hog riders that I'm then going to immediately transfer into. Uh, and I'd say I, I probably have another couple of hours left painting the boys. Um, I've got to finish up the white bits of armor, which takes like three layers or four layers to like... Yeah, it's rugged. Yeah, yeah. So like I was making a whole bunch of progress and then I hit that point and it was sort of like a time sink. I'd get through all 10 guys and go, God, all right, back to the first guy and keep going. But get yourself an audiobook and just chug through that white. I have. Yeah, I've been uh, listening to Warhammer Weekly, of course. Vets Ventrilla putting in the work. Uh, I've been listening to Doug from 2 Plus Tough telling me some lore and keeping me excited. Um, And also, I got the audiobook. It is the first, like, I think it's audio only, and it's a entire novel from an orc perspective called Brutal Cunning. Uh, my dear God, if that hasn't kept me going. It's very good. It's incredible. The only downside is that it makes me, like, I know we all go, like, LOL, but no, it actually makes me laugh out loud, like, belly laugh. And uh, that's no good when you're trying to paint fine detail bits so sometimes i have to turn that off because it's a hazard but uh, i have been trying to keep myself going and really what's keeping me running to the finish line is having a crusade deadline to meet well not a deadline like there's no date set we essentially are just going to play when everyone's ready but you know i have something to paint towards and uh i didn't realize it but over covid uh i think one of the biggest like pains to the hobby was that I had nothing to paint for. Like uh, we weren't having get together days. We weren't going to tournaments. Uh, Well, we didn't go to tournaments before, but you know what I mean? Like we didn't have leagues to paint for. Uh, We didn't have like tournaments to try to go to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we've talked about doing it, but like right now it's like, man, cannot, (laughs) like can't even entertain the idea. Yeah, um, so, like, I had nothing to paint for, for, I mean, god, year and a half? Has that much time passed? Uh, realizations, okay, moving on. Um, 
But for that long, I had nothing to paint towards. <laughs> and don't mind me, just having a tiny breakdown, but we're moving through. Minor um, existential crisis in the middle of a podcast about little plastic. But I'm doing all right. We're I kept it together because I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> we're both terrible at this. <laughs> <laughs> but really, uh, it was nice to have that feeling of something to paint towards, to strive for. Uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying that immensely. Just gotta keep it going. Um, and also I have like, I have my hobby room put together in a state that I would call functional. Like I have the paint table up. I have the airbrush hooked up. I have the brushes out. Like I can paint. However, it's, it's a little utilitarian in here at the moment. Like it's all white walls. And I haven't got any of the art up yet because, you know, it's the hobby room is not the top priority when you're unpacking a house to live in. Um, Speak for yourself. Well, you know, John, I kind of want to have a bathroom and a kitchen. I mean, that's fair. I I had the benefit of uh, not owning anything. And so Ah. (laughs) I didn't need to unpack most of it. Yeah, uh, we didn't own a lot, but that was kind of the problem is that then we went, oh, God, we have to go buy stuff. Um, cause like we went from having one bathroom to having three bathrooms. Like we don't have enough like hand towels. Who the hell thinks about how many hand towels they have? Like, all right, I guess we got to go to the store or, you know, stuff doesn't fit in the cupboards. Well, all right, we got to go out and get more stuff and blah, 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 blah. Like it's, it's been a pain. And of course, shipping stuff also makes it difficult. Cause like in the hobby room, I need a bookshelf to be able to put like rule books and stuff on because, you know, as this episode will tell you. There's a lot of rule books for these games, but I can't like find a bookshelf I like in stock because shipping and the whole world. Uh, so there's there's some challenges that I'm trying to work through, um, but I'm hoping soon I can get some art put up. I can get a bookshelf in here. I can unpack all the books that I've had packed away and uh, make the space go from utilitarian to like lively and beautiful. At least that's the hope. But I'd say, uh, yeah, Hoppy's going well, but I got so much more in my future. And I'm going to kick you to also do so. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely, definitely working on it. Uh, my next big hobby purchase before I start buying more models will be an airbrush because I think that's the, that's going to be the key to getting myself to just push through some of this backlog I have. Um, I think airbrush will make Space Marines a breeze, Stormcast easy. And I'll be able to experiment on this cruel voice the way that I want. Yeah, I can tell you it's it's life-changing for the hobby once you get one. And just for the ability to prime, to throw down a quick yep. base coat and zenithal and whatever else you got to do. Man, so, so helpful. I think it's going to light speed you ahead and how much you could do in the same amount of time. But this isn't an episode about airbrushes, John. So moving on <laughs> to game no, complexity. John. So if we're going to get into this, we're going to talk about the complexity of the new books. I think first we have to kind of level set things with what do we mean by complexity? Like when we say that word, what exactly are we trying to portray? Because that's a little subjective, admittedly. Yeah, like so these games have always been a little complex. Like these, these games are a little bit tougher Mm -hmm. than like chess. Um, and like on a base level complexity level, right. Um, even something like magic, the gathering or, uh, uh, I don't know, another similar game, but like these games, people play board games, stuff like that. There's different levels of complexity, right? Like you, you play checkers. It's different from playing, Monopoly, and that's different Settlers from playing of like Catan. Yeah, Catan. Yeah, um, and levels of like complexity and strategy. And in wargaming for these specific games, war like fantasy slash Age of Sigmar and 40k, you've seen the game go in varying levels of like up and down with complexity, right? Like old old world Warhammer Fantasy, very complicated. Lots of rules to understand, but that was part of the fun of it. It was part of the allure. Go to Age of Sigmar. It was supposed to be a much more like simplified, streamlined game. 
And at the same time, they were making like 8th edition 40k much more streamlined as opposed to the very like rules dense 7th edition. And I feel like past 8th edition 40k and past the first two, like, uh, I almost said seasons, after the first two editions of Age of Sigmar, you've gotten into the third, the complexity just kind of went up in mm-hmm. both of these editions, right? At the roughly the same time. Uh, the books are becoming bigger. They have got more stuff in them. There's more bookkeeping you have to do per phase. It's 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 almost like they're trying to build engagement by having more stuff you need to be able to remember and have, like, oh, be aware of. And I think that's good. But there's some other parts to it. But I think that between these two games, 40K is the more complex one. And we'll use that as an example. You no longer have to just, like, build a list, sit down, play, and then look at the data sheets mm-hmm. for those guys that you have, right? It's now you have to have your list. You have to know what your stratagems are for that strategy that you're building. You have to know what all of the special rules and synergies are. You have to know what your, your like, uh, army bonuses are. Like, what what does your specific sub-faction do? And what their auras are, how those auras interact with other auras, and what their psychic powers are. And there's just these layered, um, customizable elements to each of these factions now and it's not like it used Mm -hmm. to just be one right like i remember playing like eighth edition 40k and this level of complexity that you're seeing in like the space marine book now and the orc book and like the necron book and every book that's come out like the dark eldar book this also used to be like for the Mm -hmm. big brain factions right and like we used to call them galaxy brain factions we still call them galaxy brain factions and now that's every faction. Is there's a certain level of galaxy brain that you can do? Yeah, with that. Um, I will say I was a little overwhelmed with how much was in the orc book for 40k when I opened it, because um, I am a you know as, as people would say I'm a Timmy player, so I I I'm just here for a good time to watch cool stuff happen. Uh, and the orcs seem like a very straightforward army that would do that until I opened the book. And was sort of overwhelmed with the amount of options and rules written in it. I mean, like, I'm just kind of looking through it. And you have, like, specialist mobs that you can customize a single unit of your army, but only certain types of units with different customizations, but it loses their clan rules. You get all the clan cultures, which isn't too bad because I'm used to it. Except some of them have complicated interactions, which need FAQs. Uh, there's like an exception rule on the first page for just like general list building, which is already complicated and now only more complicated if you're playing orcs. And then on top of specialist mobs, you got custom jobs, which are ways to customize different types of units in your army, but they're not the same as specialist mobs because you just got to give them different names. And there is roughly one bajillion stratagems to memorize that can only be used by certain types of models, not to mention the specialized secondary objectives that you get access to. And then just looking at the data sheets, you have a bunch of those, but also one, two, three, four keywords that you have to memorize before you even get into the book because there are units all throughout it that have these keywords in them in this like just plopped in in a small little area but they don't actually tell you what they do so good luck better get to memorizing just like everything else bucko like if you don't know what here we go ramshackle mob roll and beast snaga all stand for you're screwed <laughs> and uh very quickly i was left going uh i just wanted to play orcs like <laughs> that's a whole lot of stuff yeah. for me to try to yeah. drink from a fire hose on and I sorted through it after about a day or two of reading, but I'm someone who's been playing for a while and it was difficult. Like I can't imagine what that's like for a new person. So, I mean, really it is complexity is subjective, but I guess what we mean by it is sort of how many rules per page do you have or how many rules per model do you have or how much memorization do you expect? Or how many exceptions to the well, base I, rules do you have? Like, all of these things add to complexity. I'd like to think of it as this, right? If I pick up a book and I read it and I and I go through it, 
and I like to read that book as if I'm a new player and go, if I was trying to teach somebody how to play this game using this book for the first time at a thousand point list, could I teach them most of the mechanics of the game in a single game? And then add on to that with the next game. And I think the answer with 9th edition 40k is just no. I think you can't. I think you cannot give a new player all of the mechanics of the game from the get-go, the command points, the stratagems, all that stuff, and get them to learn the game uh, in a single game. I think I think that you have to play multiple. And I think that makes it very difficult to get newer folks into the game sometimes in a casual setting because there's lots of people who just want to play game because game yeah. fun. Um, on the flip side, I think that Age of Sigmar does something a little bit different in that based off of the new Cruel Boys book and the new Stormcast book, um, there's layered levels of co- optional complexity, right? Like the Stormcast book is very simple in concept. Like it, it is mostly just good stat dudes doing good stat stuff and they've got good, like good rules to buff each other. The points are a little wonky, um, but probably can get me- fixed up. But the book seems mostly like for newer players. Uh, um, there's not a whole the, lot of trickiness there. The only problem, the only problem I have with that book is that there's a lot of traps. Like there's a lot of traps in the book of, you know, there's almost a hundred war scrolls. Like the, the, the amount of leader war scrolls in that book are more than some armies have entire war scrolls for their faction so there's a lot of things in there that are just like not good that people might accidentally pick because they like it and i think that's a shame i don't think that you should have a model that looks cool if you can't have decent rules for it that's another topic for another episode though i think that yeah write that down (laughs) the the book as a whole is very simple in concept could probably teach someone most of the rules of aos in that in a sit down with that book it's one of the reasons why i'm going to turn my stormcast that i have into a more starter faction because it's a great Mm -hmm. like teaching tool for teaching someone the basic game and then if they want to keep playing they keep wanting to want to come over to my like my house and play games uh they don't have to purchase you know buy into an army yet they can play a couple of games and kind of get to know like when you dig in deeper the kind of complexity you can get into because that book can also do that before dedicating into like Mm -hmm. spending a bunch of money on this game i think that's great for stormcast i mean um orcs on the other hand have like i'm just gonna not talk about the tribal tribal orcs uh, just gonna I almost call them snake bites, the but that's bone 4K. breakers, bone splitters, bone splitters, bone splitters. Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about bone splitters. Never been super fan of bone splitters in the first place. If you are, I'm sorry. They're, they're super cool. It's not my bag. Um, Iron jaws, very simple, very fun. Still the you know the gonna punch you, gonna beat you, gonna you know um, big boys, big beefy boys, punch you real hard. Very simple play style, very easy. They've gotten a little bit of like changes, but they're still roughly mm-hmm. about the same. It's pretty good. Um, cr- the new Cruel Boys, on the other hand, super sneaky bastard orcs. We talked about them earlier this episode in the Hub Progress. Huge fan of how complex and hard they are to play. And I like that in that book, there is a complete sub-factions different if you want to play very high complex Galaxy Brain or if you want to play simple yeah, smash. you aren't locked in right? to either. You have options. Very smart way of doing that. And if you want to do a little bit of all all of that, a little bit of both, do big wall. And you can combine them. Uh, and there's not, like, one of the things I like about the book is that there's not really short of bone splitters because they're kind of bad, apparently. Uh, I think that they're not going to be that great. I didn't know a lot about bone splitters before, but apparently they're really bad. Um, the other two, like, are pretty even. Like, you're going to have mm-hmm. fun playing either of them. And I think that's good. That's pr- it's a pretty good design book. You know, two out of three ain't bad. Well, three out of four ain't bad, actually, because Big Waz just as viable as the other two. But yeah, At least I think you, that... you have a way out, you know what it's, I mean? Yeah, and I think the book's a lot more digestible because it is broken up into very distinct, clear, thematic chunks. Uh, and I, I want them to adopt some of that for 40k. Yeah, because I mean, currently looking at the Orcs book, I've got my head around it. But if I was a new player and went, man, I read this for a few days and I still don't understand it. 
There's no simpler option. Sorry. Like, yeah, that's it. And, and I think that can be unfortunate, which we'll talk about in a few moments when we get to pros and cons. But um, the complexity is inescapable in 40k, at least currently. Yeah, there's not really a big dum dum faction, and it's weird because like the big dum dum faction used to always be orcs or space like tyranids or like yeah, space marines, and they they're not or necrons even to some degree, and they're just not no, anymore. Not at all. And I mean, that's not even getting into the uh, the added complexity of having even more rules for some armies and multiple other books, like the source books, like the Book of Rust and whatever. Uh, which also just really makes things more complicated and, and uh, complex. It does. Uh, and I've, I have the same problem with like uh, D&D, right? Like everybody talks about how like D&D 3.5 was so bad because it had so many source books or whatever. Uh, I thought it was great. But like towards the end there, there were so many source books that it, and splat books that it got out of control. Uh and in a competitive setting for 40K, I agree. Because that's what mm-hmm. these extra books are. Like Book of Rust, it's all splat books. And I agree that does put a weird lens on the game if you are playing competitive or like pick up games with random people in which you cannot have a discussion ahead of time of like just not using some of that stuff. But I think that there's so much complexity in these books. You could never pick up any of those extra rule books and ever feel like you didn't, like you ran out of stuff mm-hmm. to experiment with. And I think that's a positive. But, you know, it's also weird that you, you might go buy a $30 book for some lore and like two paragraphs of rules. Odd. Very, Very weird. weird. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, that is just another layer of complexity of the sort of complex game that we're in right now, which for some people, it's what they want, but for others, might be a little difficult. But I think that does kind of lead us into the, what I think is the more interesting discussion is that, you know, what do we think the benefits are to these uh, more complex rule systems uh, or codexes or battle tomes or whatever you want to call it? Uh, What are the benefits of being more complex? Well, I think, first off, the benefit of being more complex is that you can feel more satisfied with your purchase. Like, if I buy a $40 rule book and it's got, like, a ton of rules and a ton of stuff for me experimented and theorycrafted and build around and play with and, like, wrap my head around and be invested in and all this other stuff and get new models and make them cool and do these things, um, that's great. That's more value. That's just great mm-hmm. for me, Right. I I am the guy who like loves the craziness of chaos, like factions in general, where there's a thousand different ways to combo out and do weird stuff. Then invariably, you know, I love making Rube Goldberg machines of armies or anything that and my opponent eventually looks at and goes, but what if I just knocked your toaster over? And I go, oh no, <laughs> my YouTube video is ruined. Yeah, it's, it's great. Like a huge fan. Um, but I know some people don't. Some people just want to pick up an orc army and put like a hundred orc boys on the table and go wah, Mister. Deal Bond. with it, wah. Yeah, uh, but I think that a positive in general is that a more complex game makes you feel like your army that you've picked for aesthetic reasons mm-hmm. always has choices, right? Maybe you just really like orcs like aesthetically, just really love orcs and are willing to learn new stuff and buy more orcs and do more stuff for that one faction to stay competitive-ish, like competitive enough to play in your local friend group without feeling like you're losing all the time. Having more things to choose from as a toolbox is good for that player, Uh, especially for someone who only wants to play one army, doesn't want to pick up multiple armies. They just want to play this one thing and then that's Mm -hmm. that's their, their hobby. You know, I think that's great having that deep well of tools to choose from. Um, Space Marines is another great example. Some people just really like to play Space Marines and that's it. And having a deep well of stuff to pull from allows them to play stuff, you know. And for some of these rule books, they aren't going to have as many models as, say, Space Marines. 
to choose from, but maybe they've got more rules to choose from, which allow them to have more options and ways of customizing via rules instead of having to go out and buy mm. new models all the time or wait for new models to come out. Yeah, I can feel that, at least, because I'm someone who likes to have options. So once I got my head around the orcs, I, you know, I quickly realized, like, holy crap, there are four armies actually hidden in this books. Yeah, you could just have four people, like you have a friend group of four dudes who all play orcs fighting each other, and that could be and the whole game of 40k for None you. of them like, would feel the same. Book. <laughs> like, you, you know, if you had someone yeah. who was running like all the Mad Max vehicles plus the planes doing like speed wah, as they call it, that would feel very different for someone who's going like heavy, heavy beast nagas because they're kind of self-contained with their own keyword. And that would feel very different from someone who's going heavy, heavy into like flooding the board with orc boys and knobs. Yeah. Like green tide. Yeah, playing green goths tide with goths like goths or something. And that would feel very different from someone who's playing big stompy robots. <laughs> like, uh, there's... There's a couple of different orc armies hidden in this book, and uh, that's an incredible place to start because then you also get all of the options of mixing them together. So the amount of like list building potential, like while you're sitting around thinking all day, is immense. Absolutely immense. And I think that depth is welcomed, partially. Uh, once I got over the hump of trying to like take it all in, uh, there was a whole bunch of fun hidden behind it. You just got to get there. Um, but I do think that leads to the con, or at least the biggest con for me. And that's the... Man, if you were a newer player right now, whoo, I, I don't envy him. Um, and I, Ooh. I mean... Obviously, we run this podcast. We've talked many times about how our favorite thing to do is to help people learn the game. That is our absolute favorite thing to do in the hobby, is to take someone who's just interested but doesn't know where to start and help them, you know, play their first games or maybe buy their first small force or help them learn the basics of how to paint or whatever. Uh, and <clears throat> lately, we've been talking to uh, Lucas, if you're listening, shout out, bud. Um, our bud Lucas, who was just getting into the game and like, he is having questions about, you know, how does this work? Like, how do I, un how do I memorize all these rules? He's playing uh, sisters of battle. So there's just a whole lot going on. And what are the interactions? And, um, it is difficult to get your head around it. Cause there's just so much going on in one army on the table. You know, it's not like you have your war scroll or your data sheet that you look at and all the rules are listed there. I mean, there are auras going on and there are keywords listed there. And like, you almost need to take like notes and have bookkeeping and create your own little template before playing the game of what's the most important. Yeah. Memorize the, the keywords, know what they all do, know what your weapons profiles are, have all those in your head. Cause some of those aren't on the data sheets also. And it's just, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot. And that's assuming that you get past the hurdle of knowing how to list build and pick detachments and whatever else. Um, it's just that there is a, a pretty big hurdle to get over to get to the fun. And uh, that hurdle looks like it would probably be pretty difficult for a new player trying to hop in. And if you have a... I think a lot of people are like, oh, it wasn't so bad for me. Like, I had help. And that's cool. And I would love if every person who got into the hobby had help but some don't or sometimes the help they have yeah not very good or sometimes not even kind um and i that's rough and that's an unfortunate reality of part of this community and i think that's something that like i i will openly challenge anyone who is in the game in the wargaming sphere to try to be better about uh, I haven't always been the perfect person about this. I had to try really hard to get better at it. And I think that everyone should is if you want to keep playing this game with people, you need to get better at helping people mm -hmm. learn the game and be supportive, like have a support network. And though the game may be complex, it might be a little, it might, you know, suck to play two games to somebody who doesn't really know the rules and you kind of need to help coach them. I think that doing so creates a better, like, 
playtime. And if you can learn to find fun in the helping someone learn their army as you read the rule book and they go, I can do this thing. And you go, holy shit, you can do that thing. <laughs> like it's, it does, it does provide a different level of fun. And I think that it's important that as these rule, if these rules keep getting more complex or if they get, stay the same complexity that we need to sit down with some of the newer folks who come and play as veteran players. It's kind of part of the social contract to go, Hey bud, how can I help you understand this better? Right. And even if only like one or two people out of your friend group who plays this game are capable of doing that, doing that will help mm-hmm. the entire group. Right. Cause I think that this game plays better in like a club setting or a group setting or like a local game store setting. Uh, or like competitive is competitive. It will always be a competitive scene for every game. But most of the game is played at like kitchen tables or in garages or at local game stores. And if you can get in with a group of guys playing the game and you can be the guy who like when new people show up to play, you teach the more complicated rules to and help them like ease them in. Man, it's, it's, it's a good great. feeling. It's a like, real good feeling. And uh, it's also yeah. a great feeling to see them have the eureka moment when it all clicks. Um, yes. That's super gratifying. But you got to help them get there. And uh, like the big con for this is that right now it is the hardest time that I have seen since I started playing for them to get to that eureka. You know, there's just a whole lot between the beginning of their journey and understanding. I think that it's harder than it was in 8th edition. But it is not as hard as it was in 7th, and I think that once someone learns like the base level of complexity, the game opens up to be much more fun than 8th edition's like ceiling was, right? 8th edition's ceiling was kind of like the meta's been solved, everyone kind of knows what the, mm-hmm. the big boogeymen are. Uh, 9th edition has less like big boogeymen that make everyone go, I'm having a bad time. Everyone kind of has their own yeah. boogeyman they can use, um, or their own response due to the complexity of these rules. Like, that is why that happens. But I think that the learning curve is much steeper. But it's not like 7th edition where you must memorize your entire rulebook, all of your different stats, and multiple algorithmic charts, and multiple keywords that you need to reference from a core book, and how they interact with other keywords that interact with supplements, that then interact with formations. Like the rules density of 7th edition is just, it's like they took all of the good parts from 7th edition that allowed for like customizable armies that could respond to new stuff that came out and yanked it and put it into the streamlined 8th edition and raised the complexity up a little bit and went, this is what we're Mm going to do. And I hope it stays at that relative level and it doesn't get stupid crazy, which we'll see when Genes of the Cults come that's, out, because that's going to be that's big gonna telling. That's going to be the that most galaxy brain of the armies. So if that one comes in okay, I think oh. we're going to be all right. Un- unless they decide that they're going to make Guard the new galaxy army, which would make me giggle myself laughing. Um, God, Honestly, it'd be hysterical. Be uh, um, yeah, I mean, I get that 7th was more complicated. However, that's why I didn't play in 7th, because... I looked at it and went, yep. no, no, no. Um, when someone was like, it's really not that bad. Here's like, there's only 18 pages to walk through a building. No. Like, hey, it was 17. Just, no. Hear me out. Uh, and I would hate for us to get to that point again. Uh, so I, I don't think we're there. I certainly don't. I don't. Because uh, obviously new people are still getting interested. I'm just saying, you know. We have to be cognizant of the risk as we move forward. And as John was saying, as yep. a community, this con we can mitigate with some effort. You know, we actually have a we have a rope that we could pull on in this tug of war. Which Yeah, and I think that the other kind of stealth positive about this is that more complex armies create like more complex and dense rules dense books create loyalty to a specific faction and less of a feeling of need of, I need to keep up with the power creep or I always need a new thing to, to, to fight the new stuff that comes out. Uh, Cause like space Marines can still functionally fight against orcs right now. 
like the Dark Eldar book that came out, very good still. Like the Admech book, good. The Necrom book's a little underpowered, but it still has stuff it can do, like especially mm-hmm. in a casual setting. Like all of these books are relatively the same power level, which means, and they're all pretty dense and they're all pretty customizable. So if you really only want to play one faction, you're incentivized to only play one faction. Like GW is not incentivizing people to go out and buy like six books and six armies and then, you know, Voltron them together to make the cool special army. Uh, it seems like they're moving more towards single codex, but dense codex armies. And I think that's just a better place to be. I've had the most fun in this game when I'm not bringing three separate base codex for chaos to a table with my army and like two supplement books to play this corn army. Yeah, so I'm a it's big functional. fan of going, this is like, my mini case that has all of my orcs and this is my orc book. All right, off I go. <laughs> That's a delightful feeling. Well, like the, the new orc book, right? <clears throat> I think it's like if you took the eighth edition orc book and you slept in all the supplements that you got for orcs throughout that entire mm-hmm. edition into one book. I think it's just all of that put into one instead of coming out with multiple books. My fear is that they are going to release more and more supplementary books that aren't just narrative focused because most of the supplement books for this edition have been mostly narrative focused with very few additional rules. They're more set for playing mm-hmm. in that narrative ultimately. Um, and I, th- I fear that that won't always stay the case. <laughs> I fear the day when all of the codexes have been released and they go, okay, Psychic Awakening no. 2. Um, <laughs> uh, don't want I it. won't. Like, I, I just don't. don't it. I, you keep I don't it. want no, it. Thank you. Like, I don't want to have to bring three or four books to play a game. No. No. Um, but we could fix that if we just did some stuff digitally. But that's a whole other topic for a whole other episode. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something we'll dig into, is that, uh, you know, GW kind of needs to get with the times a little bit with some things. The 21st century, why are we playing games like <sighs> it's the 90s again? John, write that idea down. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I do think that there is some incredible complexity here that could make just a whole lot more fun. And I think that does lead us into the final question that we wanted to touch on. Uh, do we think that this increased complexity is good for the game in the long run and is it sustainable uh i'll go Mm -hmm. ahead and go first right i think that the current level of complexity for the game for both games aos and 40k is healthy like i think it is a good place to be at and we are just on that edge of not being healthy right a lot of people are like, oh, it's so much. Once people get used to it, if you are, if, if the people that are struggle in your playgroup have a hard time, sit down with them. They can learn. It's, it's really not that bad when you break it down for them. It's just mm-hmm. a lot. It's just overwhelming. Like, it's like DMing your first D&D game, right? There's a lot of rules to keep track of. There's a lot of things you got to understand. But when you really break it down, you can just, like, write down some notes about what's the most important mm-hmm. thing for you, and you can go. And I think one of the big challenges is knowing where to find that stuff. So just being able to give them like a page number is also goes a long way. Yes. Or like help them build a template for like how to like, like for me, when I sit down to write an army, I write down like, like little note cards for myself for like my psychic powers or like the stratagems I most like likely want to use or like I'll make my own cards and stuff. Like it just takes some time to prepare for the mm-hmm. game beforehand. Um, and then just keep doing that. Make a list and then keep playing that list for a while without changing it up too much. And you'll learn your rules pretty quick. But I think that going forward, I th- I think this level is sustainable, right? Like, I think this level of complexity is sustainable throughout the rest of these Codex releases, through all the Battle Time releases. And my hope is that instead of trying to augment the existing Codexes with more rules they try to release more factions right for aos Mm -hmm. we've got chaos dwarves we've got like other factions that need to be released for aos we have a whole nother game coming out in the old world re-release um but in 40k like we we haven't seen like new new factions in a while Uh, we've seen some like stuff that's basically been like re-releases of like older stuff 
Uh, and I'm excited to see more of that. Like uh, world eaters can't wait to have them have their own army. That's great. But I think that going forward towards the end of this edition, if they instead just released entirely new races and factions squats. from the science fiction universe Give me into the game, it would make the game much better. And it, that is more sustainable in a weird way, even though you're having to make new ranges and introduce a whole new like faction than it would be to release another Psychic Awakening series of books. Because then you're going to push this complex game over the edge, and people are going to go, I don't fucking know about that. Like, Because that's what they did with 7th edition. 7th edition wasn't always a you know, dying amalgamation of rules. It became that way because they kept releasing more and more supplementary rules. And there becomes a point where that is detrimental and you instead you just need to release new things for people mm -hmm. to play and then get, hopefully get in new players that way. And that way I think it's sustainable, but I think if they'd go the route of psychic awakening two or like a broken realms two that has a bunch of new rules in it, new lore. Awesome. New like scenarios to play within those like battle zones and settings. Awesome. I, I don't think that we need to keep releasing like splat books for these armies. I would rather just have very complex opening co codexes for them and not release like mm -hmm. these splat books. And it would make for a better game in the long run. Especially if they're not wanting to go full digital yeah. yet. I actually, I liked what Broken Realms did where they used it as a vessel to release largely new models. Um, and I think that's kind of the key to how to release those flat books. Like, I know GW wants to get their money. They want you to pay another $50. Um, but I think it would hurt less if you, instead of paying that $50 to get a new sub-faction that's just strictly better than everything else or whatever, it's so you could get access to the story of how this new hero got introduced and then buy the new hero model. And congrats, you have a hero but like adding a character to your army, is it going to break the, the sort of mental bank? Um, and I think that was just super clever and it doesn't add to the complexity or a Boros as we, you know, consume ourselves from the exponential storm of complexity that cannot continue to get, uh, squared and raised and grown. Well, I think that with, individual characters right like in broken realms i like that for its time but i think going forward a better solution for gw and it's something i would much prefer to see is them go like here's like the, mm -hmm. the bellicor release right they go here's the bellicor release boom uh here's the brand new 160 dollars model you you want it you love it it looks glorious it's beautiful right here you go Released next to it is a FAQ-like supplement for your for your faction to allow you to have some extra small rules with it and his data sheet. And that should just come in next happen. to the model. It, I do, I'd I do as well, it but it was sadly... But I, want like, I just want to set it out for the viewers. If someone's out there like, yeah, we should do that, I agree, but it won't. <laughs> uh, like... Yeah, until we have a full digital game, there's not a with a subscription service. It's it's not in yeah, their I mean, best They want to make you know the money. If anything, they want to make more money than they did last year. And currently, they've got it to where they can get an extra fifty bucks per person per HQ model that they release on top of the price of the HQ model. Uh, so I they wouldn't step back for you know. Just to be nice, because it would be convenient. Although it would be very convenient. <laughs> It'd be, be a very bro move, cool. GW. Just say it, bro move. Unfortunately, GW is not a not a person whom we played this game with in a game store. GW curse is a corporate James entity, work. almost like a God, Lovecraftian monster. Um, James Workshop, the fifth <laughs> Chaos God, sixth. Remember, they made your your horned rat a Chaos God, technically. Oh, that's an agency where I was talking about 40K. Like, James Workshop's clearly a, a sci-fi dystopian entity, but okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, I largely agree with you. I don't think that it's, you know, I don't think we're at a level where it's unsustainable. Um, every codex seems roughly as complicated as the last one. So I don't think that we're necessarily, like, ramping up. Um, if 
if we were, if like Space Breed started kind of at like a level five and then we went up to a six and then an eight and then a 10 with orcs, I'd be looking forward going, how the hell are we going to get to a 12? Like we, we've run out of scale. Yeah, but just like all of the like all of the complexity seems to be under a level like like we'll use old eighth edition Space Marines like the when they first came out as a barometer mm-hmm. of like a five, right? Uh, I think all of the ninth edition books are a minimum like six going up to yeah. like an eight. Um, I don't think that we're necessarily exponentially rising. And with the release of the AOS uh, battle tomes, we actually had a ba- had one of the tomes take a step back in complexity, like. Really, really good to see that the Stormcast Eternals book wasn't as complicated because uh, presumably, I mean, I'm not a designer sitting in there in on the meetings, but presumably because it's the quote unquote beginner friendly army and is meant to be a gateway. So instead of giving it a bunch of complicated rules, they just gave them better numbers on the war scroll and kind of call it a day. And, uh, that step back gives me a lot of hope that maybe they're aware that the complexity is kind of as high as they should probably push it for most things. Um, and they're, you know, I'm sure they have some 10 out of 10 complexity in their back pocket for like waiting to throw it out with shadow elves or, uh, gene stealer cults and 40 K. But if everything else stays level set, that's fine. And I think it is sustainable. Um, and as we were kind of talking about before, I think it adds enough complexity that it is good for the game. Uh, we just got to help people get over those first couple of humps. Like, I think there's a certain level of social responsibility we have as players of the game and in the community to help people learn how to play the game, which we're going to have to do regardless of how simple yep. the complexity is. I think now is. we just got to be more diligent about it, more aware. Um, it, it's... You know, the old saying, you got to fix your own house. Uh, That's probably on my mind because for the past few days I have been fixing my literal house. Um, But it's, I don't know, it's true here. You know, this is the game that we like to play. This is the community we like to breed. It's what we like to sort of grow and engage with. So it's on us to try to make sure that everyone in it is uh, having as much fun as they can if uh, we've got the mental bandwidth to do that. Like... We've said before, be a gate greeter, yes, don't be a gate God. It, it's it's just that simple. So, yeah, I do think there is some downsides, but we can mitigate them. And I'm okay with something that we can mitigate. And also, I, I like having a bunch of list options. So I'm a simple man. Just give me list options. And also, give me squats, Gaze Workshop. That's really the complexity we need. Yeah, I need I mean, squats. Get... I need complex, small, like sturdy men. With machine guns. And give me some lady squats also. That's cool too. Yeah, please please give him some squats um, so that I can fight fight his squats with uh, one of the multitude yes. of armies I have. It's probably, I'll probably fight you with Tau. That's, that, sound, that sounds all right. Yes, Tau versus, versus short people. Great. Love it. <laughs> but Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> uh, so what about y'all out there? I mean, we've done a lot of chatting here back and forth. What do you think about complexity? Are you feeling like... It's getting more and more difficult to read and understand these codexes or these battle tomes. Are you finding that you're having more difficulty sort of internalizing the information than you did in previous editions? Or maybe you're a new player. Do you think we're full <laughs> of shit? We could be. Yeah, maybe we're full maybe of shit. Like, like, man, tell us. y'all are just dumb. And I'm like, shit, fair. Um, <laughs> man, you guys love huffing your own farts. Yeah, you uh, got me. That's, that's, um, yeah, probably. <laughs> or maybe you're a new player and you don't have a reference. If that's the case, how are y'all doing out there? <laughs> I hope you're doing all right. Um, if you do have questions or you want to share your thoughts, feel free, drop them in the comment section on YouTube. Or if you're listening on any of the other uh, podcast streaming locations, feel free to reach out to us on social media, Instagram, Twitter. We're more than happy to talk to you about it there or help you if you are having problems. Lord knows I've also had problems. Um, you know, the whole point of the show is to help people have more fun with the hobby. And uh, we mean it. We'd love to be able to help you get over that hump. I mean, hell, sometimes I still send rules to Joe and go like, hey, I'm overthinking this. I'm dumb as fuck. Can you tell me what I'm like, if I'm thinking of this wrong, and then explain what I think it is. And Joe would be like, oh, no, nah, man, you're overthinking the shit out of it. That's dumb as <laughs> it's shit. It's just Here a plus go. one to hit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. 
It doesn't. It doesn't let you kill God. <laughs> like I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. You don't get to I'm kill sorry. God I plus one to hit. Um, yeah. If you if <laughs> cannot oops, combo, if out. comboed. Um, yeah. If you guys are having problems, feel free to reach out to us. And uh, if you want to go the extra mile, maybe share this with some friends in your local gaming group who might like it. We'd really appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. But for now, that's been all of our opinions. Bonafide Kentucky Fried. And we'll see y'all on the next one. See you.